This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's four minutes past four. So that breaking news, Jihadi John targeted in the Syria airstrike. We don't know if he's been uh, killed. This is Mohammed Emwazi, the man who has been responsible for so many beheadings. And uh, whether he's died in that airstrike remains to be seen. We'll bring you up-to-date news on LBC as and when we hear it. Because the Pentagon uh, have confirmed now that US forces have carried out this airstrike. Uh, how they know where he is, I've got no idea. Perhaps there are forces on the ground. I personally would have preferred to see him stand trial and uh, made to, uh, to be dealt with for the atrocities which he's committed. But uh, if he's died in this, well, that uh, saves an awful lot of time and trouble, doesn't it? Details on LBC this morning. Plus, there's also, it's Friday the 13th. I don't like to be the bearer of bad tidings, but traditionally, it's the day when you go, oh, my God, it's Friday the 13th. I don't quite know why we get superstitious about it, because technically, technically, um, I, I'm trying not to be superstitious. Uh, I, d- I, don't, I don't walk under ladders, but that's just not, that's not being superstitious. That's just being aware of the fact that somebody might drop a pot of paint on top of you. Uh, Rolf Harris in a hospital dash. He's a diabetic and uh, he apparently ate too much chocolate. We'll also try and bring you up to date news of Terry Wogan, uh, who is for the first time in ages and ages has pulled out of hosting children in need. Uh, and as he was the linchpin for it, I don't think their uh, their lineups much cop. Uh, Tess Daly, Rochelle Humes. Uh, who else did they put up there? They put up Nick Grimshaw. I mean, really? It's not good enough. It needs to be held together by Terry Wogan. He's got to be fairly serious if he's uh, if he's pulled out. You know, Terry would. Uh, he's a trooper. He goes on come hell or high water. Uh, plus the uh, the learner driver earner. In other words, you you pay for the test. If you pass, they'll give you some money back, which seems like a good idea. Typical, isn't it? All these years after I pass my test, Kelly Brooks shrinking waistline. Want to see Photoshop in operation? This would be it. Uh, there's also the poppy tin thief silenced in court. Fumbles in the jungle as the bosses reveal Nuki Corner. That's not Nuki Bear. And we will bring you up to date just after six o'clock this morning with the Support Black Taxi's Christmas Appeal. They're not a charity and they don't want money. So there you go. You're interested already. I, st- I was going to tell you about this yesterday, but I didn't have the uh, the stuff on board. Now, now Paul has uh, sent me the thing. They're looking for a few things, actually, apart from they're looking for donations, but not money. They don't want money. They're also looking for storage in central London. It's all to do with the homeless, and uh, you can help and do your little bit, and they would be very, very grateful. They're looking for all sorts of things. Seriously, all sorts of things, which you would probably throw out. But uh, it can be... uh, it can be useful. So I'll tell you about that just after six uh, and loads of other things. We take all your texts and emails, 84850, steve at uk. But I did tell you at the beginning of the programme that we would bring you up to date with these uh, airstrikes. And so let's nip back now to LBC's US correspondent, Simon Marks, who's on the line with the latest. Simon, morning again. Hello again, Steve. Uh, so now, have we had an update from the Pentagon? Well, I think we are getting more information by the minute here, and there appears to be a growing belief on the part of U.S. officials that they have indeed killed Jihadi John, uh, that British citizen, Mohammed Mwazi, 
who featured in so many of those brutal Islamic State videos, who was seen uh, killing the American journalist James Foley and playing a role in the murder uh, of several other Western hostages, including uh, the British aid workers Alan Henning and David uh, Haynes. Uh, one U.S. official is telling Fox News here in the United States, we are 99% certain that we killed him. Uh, he was, say, Pentagon officials eviscerated as he left a building in the Syrian city of Raqqa, where a U.S. drone had been tracking him for some time, watching him all day. Uh, they believed that they had uh, clarified his identity. They saw him going into a building to attend a meeting with other Islamic State figures, and the drone struck that building uh, as he later left it. So they're providing now uh, an enormous amount of information about this attack. And this is very unusual, Steve, for mm -hmm. the Pentagon. It's now 10 past 11 here in the evening on a Thursday night in Washington, D.C., very unusual for the Pentagon to be providing this level of information. It suggests that they are indeed certain uh, that he has been removed from the field of battle. What's, what's the next uh, procedure, Simon? Will they have to produce photographic evidence to prove that he is dead? Well, look, I mean, I think that they're going to have some difficulty uh, gathering precise data from the ground because that Syrian city of Raqqa uh, is the de facto Islamic State headquarters. It is the town where many of those Western hostages uh, were held and uh, we think were killed by Islamic State. It's the town that you see uh, in some of those videos where the hostages are so uh, brutally murdered. Uh, so all of the data that the Pentagon is currently pouring over, we presume has been filmed from those drones flying above Raqqa uh, as opposed to being precise photographic evidence gathered on the ground itself or DNA evidence gathered on the ground itself. It is worth uh, wondering, I think, whether they had any kind of human intelligence uh, on the ground in Syria that led them, uh, at least initially, uh, to think that they'd found him and led the drones to start flying in the sky. But on the other hand, uh, you know, these U.S. drones are flying around the clock. Uh, in the skies above Syria, and they certainly will have been targeting Raqqa and mapping it for many months, following a wide variety of figures there uh, in a bid to try and get not just him, uh, but some of the other prominent members of Islamic State. Remember that he was described by former hostages uh, as one of the so-called Beatles, the four uh, Western Islamic State fighters uh, who treated the hostages with uh, a considerable degree uh, of brutality during their time in captivity. So there's no question that Jihadi John and the other members of that group were very much prime targets for the U.S. military. We're also being told, by the way, that they informed the British government of the attack, which in turn contacted the families uh, of some of those hostages uh, in whose deaths uh, mm. Jihadi John is alleged to have played a role. So again, further evidence that they think they got their man. And so you think that the, uh, that the Prime Minister, David Cameron, is well aware of the situation? Uh, according to U.S. officials who are briefing reporters here, the U.K. government was kept in touch with information uh, about this uh, military strike, which got underway uh, during the course of the last few hours uh, on the ground there in Syria. We don't yet know 
Uh, we haven't yet been told whether the British government was given advance notice uh, of the military strike, but U.S. officials say that certainly the British government was notified about it and then in turn contacted the families of some of those people uh, that Jihadi John is reputed to have played a role in murdering. I should imagine the, uh, the families of those who, uh, who lost loved ones at the hands of Jihadi John must be absolutely delighted. On the other hand, there might be those people saying, would it not have been easier to capture him and put him on trial so that people can, can make him face up to exactly what he did? Well, look, I mean, I think that's an interesting question. I heard you raising it at the uh, beginning of the programme. And, uh, you know, it's a question that we are familiar with talking about uh, ever since the attacks of September the 11th, 2001, the military operation that killed uh, Osama bin Laden in the Pakistani city uh, uh, of Abbottabad. You know, U.S. forces were there. They shot him at close range. Uh, They could perhaps have taken him alive and put him on trial. This situation, though, I think was slightly different because uh, of the perilous terrain on the ground in Syria. It's completely impossible to imagine that U.S. forces on the ground, unless they went in in such great numbers, uh, could have safely invaded Raqqa uh, and dragged uh, Jihadi John or any of these other prominent Islamic State figures Uh, out of the city because Islamic State's hold on Raqqa uh, and the surrounding area uh, has proved to be uh, very tight and uh, very significant over the last several months. It is their de facto uh, headquarters in Syria. So if you were going to get him, it was always most likely to be a a drone airstrike that was going to kill him. Although I think you're absolutely right that, you know, there is a big moral debate about these drone airstrikes and the idea that, you know, somewhere in middle America tonight, thousands of miles away from the battlefield, uh, there is an, a, a member of the United States Air Force who has clicked a mouse, pressed a button and dropped a bomb on a building in Raqqa that has killed Jihadi John. That is a new element uh, of the kind of warfare that we're seeing in this battle against Islamic State. Certainly very interesting. Simon, thank you so much for joining us. I'm very grateful. If we have any more updates on it, I hope we can come back to you a little bit later on this morning. Absolutely, Steve. Thank you very much indeed. Simon Marks, LBC's American correspondent. So just in case you've only just turned on the radio and you've missed that little bit of news, uh, it came through about 20 minutes ago that the Pentagon have carried out an airstrike in Syria, deliberately targeting Jihadi John. They followed him by drones. They knew exactly where he was. They've now come back and said, courtesy of Simon Marks, that they're 99% certain that he died in the bomb explosion. The drones which had been following him all day, they knew exactly which building he was in. The drone was able to actually drop the bomb. And as you heard from Simon, somebody with a click of a mouse can drop a bomb on a building. And they're 99% certain that Jihadi John is dead. And for the families of those people who had to witness the brutal executions, they'll be, they'll be raising a glass and sending him straight to hell. Uh, you heard it first on LBC. It's quarter past four. Look at the team this morning. The British Medical Association has announced that junior doctors will stage two strikes next month if they vote to take industrial action. Are they letting the country down? A special report from LBC's Connor Gillies on London's shocking rise in knife crime. And guess who's not coming to dinner? Or breakfast? Or lunch? 
That's Nick Ferrari from Seven. And he'll be uh, bringing you all the up-to-date news on Jihadi John. We broke it this morning on LBC. Way ahead of everybody else. Way ahead of everybody else. That's the advantage of this. We can do something like that. You don't have to make snap decisions. We just sort of, we speak to Simon Marks and he brings us up-to-date. The Pentagon have now said 99% certain, 99%, that's almost, that's given as far as I'm concerned, that Jihadi John has been killed in a drone strike. They targeted him all day. You heard it first on LBC. And, uh, and they set a bomb off, and they're 99% certain that he's dead. Jonathan Isabey, Chief Executive of the Taxpayers Alliance, will be looking at the papers this morning, all after the morning news, with Lisa Aziz. They'll be rewriting the programme, even as I speak. She's here at 6.30 this morning. Uh, up with the 4am spike, says Winnie. About to hit the road to Gatwick to catch a ridiculously early flight to Spain. I'm running the Valencia Marathon. I don't know why you have to say Valencia. It's Valencia Marathon on Sunday and I'm making a weekend break of it. Looking forward to celebrating, hopefully after a good run, with a few Aqueda Valencias. That sounds nice. The water of... Is that wine? <laughs> a bit early for talking about booze. But anyway, listening to LBC on my way down to Gatwick. So until Tuesday, adios. Yes, until until Tuesday. I, I, I think it's very interesting to note that when we talk about Jihadi John and when we saw those dreadful videos, and I can remember at the time feeling utter hatred for somebody. I don't think I feel hatred in so much of a way as somebody who, who can torture people and then do those brutal acts. So, to be honest with you, uh, you know, barring setting off fireworks and going woo-woo, I couldn't be more, more delighted if the Pentagon drone strike has actually killed him. Although... The families might feel a little bit cheated, but they have been kept in touch with what's been going on. So they get some sort of respite, you know, how this man was allowed to con- continue to operate. But uh, he's not the only one. They, they, they train children to do the same thing. But at least we've taken one out. Take one out, we can take more out. These drones can go anywhere now. It's taken warfare to a new level, completely new level. Anyway, we'll come back to that one a little bit later on. If it changes and we get the 100%, then you'll hear it first on LBC. Uh, somebody just uh, sent me a text text. Said, Did you ever interview Rolf Harris? I don't think there was a presenter in the country who didn't interview uh, Rolf Harris, Sam. Everybody did. Everybody did. You know, the only person I didn't interview was Jimmy Savile. I didn't interview Jimmy Savile. I never felt the need, actually. Jimmy Savile never did anything that I thought was of any note. I thought the programmes were a bit creepy. I thought he was a bit creepy. He phoned me up drunk one night. That's all I could tell you when we were back in uh, the early days in Gough Square. He did phone up drunk and said, oh, you know, you'd never be able to interview me. I thought, well, I wouldn't really be that interested. I really wouldn't be that interested in interviewing him. And uh, and we were proven right. But uh, it's interesting because the producer raised a, a, a point earlier on. If he dies, if Rolf Harris dies in hospital, he's 85, he's diabetic and he overdosed on chocolate. So, you know, supposed to know about these kind of things. Uh, you know, what would we would we be asking people their thoughts on Rolf Harris? Or would we just be going, good, glad he's dead? It's an interesting conundrum, that one. That's what we'll come around to it a little bit later on. Uh, there's also oh, another historical sex uh, allegation has come out, this time involving a group from the 60s and two members of it. So I don't think of with it anymore. And, uh, and that I found slightly uh, dis... Uh, sort of disingenuous, really, in this day and age. I thought we'd sort of done away with these things. This is just, this accounts to one event, and that's uh, that's going up into uh, court. Uh, plus the Labour MP who claimed £10,000 overtime for his selfie-loving wife, Simon Danshuk, and the little wife. £10,000 overtime. He said, well, you, if you wanted the best. I thought they hated each other. Couldn't quite get that one. But uh, a poppy tin thief is silenced in court. That I did get. That I did get. Somebody who thieved a poppy tin got caught... And uh, the judge made them observe the two-minute silence and then jailed him. 
That's what I call a result, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, also, um, brute force. There's a, a picture in the paper today, and I think you'll probably find this a video, of a 12-year-old boy who's been beaten 23 times by a slightly older boy. And it never went to court. He just got a caution. What do you have to do now? 23 times. You can see him. It's, it's brutally attacking somebody. They've got a picture of the boy who was, who was brutally beaten. They haven't got a picture of the boy who committed the, the, the brutal beating, which, of course, I'd be far more interested in seeing. Uh, the sex faker girl has been jailed. This is the one who pretended to be a man and, uh, and had sex with this girl who was blindfolded. And uh, I don't want to go into the gory details of it, but surprisingly, some of the papers say um, she's been jailed for eight years. I mean, eight years does seem an excessive amount of time. When you consider that Glenn Codd of Rochester, who's 27, in February raped a girl of six. Okay, his victim was so traumatised, it was over ten years before she was able to tell anybody about the crime, and he got four years. He raped a six-year-old. Uh, killer Adil Haroon of Rochdale was given six years after he ploughed into another car at 80 miles an hour. Um, Andrew Bennett received four and a half years for the manslaughter of his girlfriend. And this woman, who convinced her female lover she was a man, gets eight years. I don't quite... I mean, do they have guidelines in the courts? Is there a book where you open it up and go, for this one here... I mean, there's another one here. A religious studies teacher, Stuart Kerner, who had sex with a pupil of 16 in South East London, was given an 18-month suspended sentence. I mean, but which book and hymn sheet are they all singing? Are they all singing from different ones? So this girl, Gail Newland, uh, is taken away and gets eight years in prison for, for convincing her female lover that she was a man and, and had sex. And that's worth eight years. However, J.D. Hatt, sorry, Jade Hatt of Swindon, who you remember had sex with a boy of 11 she was babysitting, only got a suspended sentence. I mean, which court system... I mean, it's really bizarre, isn't it, that the court system in this country is so different for so many different people. And obviously, for, for pretending to be another sex, that carries a higher sentence. I don't get it either. You probably don't get it. She probably doesn't. And I should imagine it will be uh, investigated, and then after appeal, something will happen. I, can, I can't really see that somebody go to prison for eight years. for somebody. I know it might have been terribly, terribly... You know, serious at the time. But when you look at the other things, murder, rape of a six-year-old child, surely that's even more offensive, is it not? Uh, Robin Bexley-Heath says, Jihadi John dead. We can only hope he died in pain. I, su I suspect probably if it is a drone strike, the answer would be no. It would be instant. It would be instant. Uh, Brucey would be good, but surely he can't host for seven hours. This was the news that came in. In fact, too late for any of the newspapers. It only came in last night that Terry Wogan has pulled out of hosting the annual Children in Need, and they put it in the hands of a bunch of inexperienced children. You know, no matter what they tell you. The BBC tend to overuse people to the point of boredom, I'm afraid. And frankly, we've had enough of Nick Grimshaw. And, uh, as I say, he can't maintain a radio audience, let alone maintain something on there. The stability of that programme was Terry Wogan. He knew exactly... He'd sit there with his genial way, and he knew exactly what he was doing and how to get the money out of people. He said he will be watching it. I thought, yeah, he'll be watching it going, have you seen how bad these people are? You know, Rochelle Humes. I mean, these people are just not up to it. They're, not, they're just not up to it. You need experience. And the one thing these people don't have is experience. Bruce, he could do it, but I just don't think he could actually do it for seven hours. I think he could sort of pop in and do little bits and pieces. A lot of people talking about kids' company to me. Uh, she was handing money out to, in one case, a convicted murderer. And many of the people that they were looking after with drugs and everything else were over the age of 30. 
Something's wrong, isn't it? Something's wrong with this woman. Something's not quite right. And so more investigations. I want to know what she's doing at the moment. I want to know. Do you think the papers are doing covert operations to find out what she does every day? Does she just sit there and wrap herself up in the duvet? I want to know a little bit more about it. Do you not? I'm fascinated by it. Fascinated. I think this is, this is a story it's going to run and it'll be a book. I read a complete report the other day of itemising everything about Kids Company and how it all went horribly wrong because it was mismanaged, uh, there was money misappropriated, it was all sorts of things going on. They were running a charity, basically, for a few people. For a few people. Uh, Steve, says Christine, I have a 13th birthday. Uh, so is my son. So I'll be buying a Euro Millions ticket. 91 million. 91 million pounds? I don't want to think about it too much. It's too exciting. Incidentally, Christine did ask me about the Mormon Tabernacle Choir because... I did watch it again this morning. I'm sorry. I just think they do it very, very well. It's just a spectacular. My friend Ian, who works for another radio station within our, our group, absolutely adores Christmas. He absolutely adores it. Whereas my friend Jez hates it. Abs- hates Christmas. Will not even have the word mentioned. He is so mean. He, he's, he's, he's the original Scrooge. You could only hope that he gets touched by an angel and the spirit of Christmas past, present and future comes and enlightens his life so that he can uh, have a tree up. And if he doesn't get one up, I'll get one up for him. And it's that kind of thing. You cannot understand, can you, ladies and gentlemen, in these days of sort of misery and horrible weather and gale force winds, why somebody cannot look forward to the festive season. And if you do watch the Mormon Tabernacle Choir on YouTube, just type in Mormon Tabernacle Choir Christmas. And there's a fantastic young man called David Archuleta. And he's got the most lovely voice and the crowd love him. And so, Christine, you should watch that. I tell everybody, if you want a bit of seasonal greetings and a bit of uh, tinsel and mistletoe and snow and a huge choir and a big orchestra and an auditorium that must seat about 20,000 people, watch it. They do it really well. And it's a few years old now, but I, I loved it. David Archuleta is, uh, is absolutely brilliant. I think he was on the America's Got Talent programme and he's got such a lovely voice. Such a lovely voice. You know, for, he's been singing practically most of his life. And, and the, the one thing is, if you watch him on the America's Got Talent, at one point he sings, uh, I think, Rocky Mountain, which I think was a Dolly Parton song. And she sits there with tears in her eyes listening to him sing. He sings to her. And she said he understands singing. Because when Dolly Parton sings... She understands all the words because that's her life. You can only sing about your life. You can't sing about somebody else's life. Doesn't work, does it? Doesn't work at all. I see the Wikipedia page for Jihadi John is already referring to him in past tense. Doesn't take long, does it? They must have heard it on LBC. We were the first people to run it, and uh, I shall proudly have that uh, that flag attached to my obituary. He broke the news that Jihadi John was dead, which is good news. Uh, so I did go yesterday to go and sort out the uh, the diabetes. Uh, which is not... Oh, yes, Fern, Fern Cotton is also hosting. Fern Cotton is also hosting. I mean, really, voice like a foghorn. Anybody who looks less feminine, you'd be hard pushed to find. It's going to be the battle of the egos. It must be an absolute nightmare. Nightmare. But to say, the only one who could do it is Wogan. Or Claire Balding, actually. Claire Balding could host it. She could do it. Get Claire Balding in. She could do it. She's good. We like Claire Balding. I like... Oh, producer's not over keen on that idea. Not over keen. We like watching it because you'll have the usual bunch of BBC has-been newsreaders doing some silly dance. Or t- it's just it's the same old, same old every year. Uh, apparently, apparently... Oh, sorry, oh, yes, so yesterday I go to the doctors. Oh, I've got to do the news. So I have to tell you about, about the doctors and the diabetes checkup and the arm as well. But uh, if you're celebrating your birthday today, many happy returns of the day. The breaking news, Jihadi John, 99% certain, say uh, the Pentagon, is dead. It's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC.
25 to 5. It's very interesting, actually, because we broke the news first with Simon Marks this morning. We get some uh, some very quick uh, reaction on LBC. Sky are still running on their thing. Whether he died in the strike is unclear. We've had it confirmed by the Pentagon. They're 99% certain that Jihadi John, Mohamed Emwazi, uh, was killed in the drone strike. Perhaps they haven't got anybody who can change it. They say whether he died in the strike is unclear. Well, they're 99% certain. That's what the Pentagon are saying. I did love the story, and I only, I only mention it because it's an occupational hazard, whether it's in London, in Glasgow, in Manchester, in Birmingham. What is the one thing that we see constantly? Rivulets of wee. Everywhere you go, people weeing in doorsteps. I've seen girls weeing in doorsteps who think it's hilarious because they're drunk. But here's the case of Jackie Burns. Jackie Burns is a man. Jackie Burns is a man, and uh, he, he wanted to go to the loo. And he got to a taxi rank, and he went down a side street. And uh, this is in South Lanarkshire. And, and he relieved himself against a wall. He was caught by a policeman. Now, this story has a twist to it, because not only was he fined £40 on the spot, but he's a Labour member of South Lanarkshire Council, and he's the one responsible for closing the public toilets. Isn't that great? What a buffoon. What a complete idiot. He says, I'm embarrassed by the incident and have apologised. But he was the one who announced that all the council's public conveniences were closing because of a Scottish government cut of £22 million. He was caught short in Hamilton. MSP John Wilson said, I'm disappointed. He should consider his position. He's an idiot. He's a first-class, chromium-plated idiot. Close the toilets down, I'm going to have a wee. That's what men do, they have an inability to go to a toilet. They leave a pub, they leave a bar, they leave a club, they leave a restaurant. They can't remember, go to the toilet. Go to the toilet. So anyway, so I go to the, um, to the doctors yesterday. Uh, not to have my dressing changed on the, on the burnt arm, of which you have seen the pictures on Twitter, but in fact... Um, to have the results of my diabetes test because every so often uh, you go in there and they do a, a big blood test and they take three syringefuls of blood yuck 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 and then they send it away to pathology and it comes back and it gives you all your blood readings and uh, it was it was okay blood pressure yesterday was brilliant even my nurse was very surprised I said how was the but we were chatting away about all sorts of things as you do when you go to the doctors because it's a local doctor uh, for local people, and you do chat about things, and she'd been on holiday to Krakow, and she, she said, we went to Auschwitz. So we were talking about that. I said, because, you know, my one of my godchildren has been to Auschwitz. They do these as a tour. She said, yes, on the way in, we're all chatting about it. She said, on the way out, nobody said a word. It, they'd had such an overwhelming sense of the occasion that nobody said anything at all. She said, it left you with that, and we, we were chatting about various things. Anyway, so we did the, uh, the blood test, and... Um, <coughs> I told you a short while ago, I was on an injection. Uh, this injection is purely designed for diabetics, and it's an appetite suppressant. So I do my insulin, and then you did this injection. And the injection is uh, is designed to make you not really want to eat. And, and that's what it is. The trouble is with me, it has the effect of giving me a dry mouth. And in this business, it's kind of a bit of a problem if you've got a dry mouth when you've got to do so much talking. It's not like you're on a music station. You do this is, that was, here we go. And then you go for a time check and then you go into 10, ten minutes of music. I can't do that. I've got nothing else to fall back on apart from me. And uh, so and it's also very expensive, this injection. So being quite good in saving the NHS money, I've said, let's stop doing the injection. She said, well, there is something else. Uh, which is uh, a tablet. It's not an injection, it's a tablet, which she has to get approval for. 
uh, because they don't just hand these things out willy-nilly. And when I use the word willy, it's very advisedly. And she, um, and she said, what it is, it's, uh, it's not an appetite suppressant, but it means that you will wee for the country. She said, but it does have side effects. There might be... They always have to say there might be side effects. And if you wee quite a lot, and as a diabetic, if you haven't got it under control, you'll be weeing quite a lot as it is. Sorry to talk about wee at this time of the morning, but it ties in very nicely with the man who shut the loos and then was caught having a a private wee down a side street, which you'll see every day of the week. Sometimes in broad daylight. We had an old woman in our car park. An old woman from East European origins, who hitched up her skirt and started to have a wee in a public place. I went, Oi! Do you think you're doing? Out! Out! Might do that back home. Not over here, you don't. That's just disgusting. Broad daylight. Broad daylight. Disgusting. Anyway, so uh, she said, um, I'm going to get you this tablet and it will help you with the weight loss because you'll be weeing it away. And I said, oh, good. She said, but there might be urinary infections. (laughs) Just something else to add to the list. So we'll be adding that into the into the plot. So I've got all these tablets in the morning. So, so far I do six in the morning, three at lunchtime and two in the evening. So now I'll be doing seven in the morning, three and two. And we've increased the insulin. So I'll do insulin lunchtime, a fast actor. Then I'll do the long acting insulin overnight with a short little extra thing. Almost like a chaser of the insulin. So we're now injecting three times a day. Which is good, you know, that's okay. As long as it keeps it under control, we're absolutely fine with it. Uh, and then she said, while you're here, let's, let's dress the thing. Because I'd suddenly realised that it was starting to leak through. So we've, we've dressed again. We had a good look at the arm. Doesn't look fantastic. And apparently it's going to be some time before we can actually take the bandage off. It started on bits of it to scab over. Which she said is good, because that means it starts itching. Which, is, of course, is infuriating. And I was explaining about having to put this thing on to have a shower. Which makes having a shower a bit of a pain, but we managed to get round it. And uh, so she's re- redressed it, and then next week we'll go and have it re- redressed again, and it will be like that for a little while. So, advice from Steve Allen, don't burn yourself. If you burn yourself, you'll, you'll suffer with it. Uh, more on Camilla What's-Her-Face from Kids Company. The woman who just looks slightly odd. There's something not quite right. I don't like her. Anyway, it turns out now that they blew taxpayers' cash on trainers, luxury holidays for their young clients. The unnamed staffer alleged the charity was beset with nepotism and paid off directors to keep quiet. And they added in evidence published by MPs uh, that one young man was sent to New York first class to see his girlfriend. This was just like, this was like opening the Christmas cracker of all Christmas crackers, wasn't it? And she sat there, Miss Smug. You know, not you know, refusing to say uh, anything at all. They just came up with the same old answers to anything. And uh, they got special treatment from David Cameron, says the Public Accounts Committee. They want a complete review of how ministers hand out money. I mean, the lack of scrutiny over its finding was staggering. Exactly. That's why she seemed surprised when they stopped it. No more money for you, dear. Sorry? No more money. Why? Well, because you've misappropriated it. It's gone to all sorts of places it shouldn't have gone to. She has no experience of doing this. That's what's so amazing by it. And it went from in the beginning to 2.3 million to in the last year, 23 million pounds worth of money. Where do you get rid of that to? Answer, sending kids to school, somebody first class to go to America. People were buying drugs. They encouraged kissing of children as well to make them feel wanted. Sounds slightly creepy, doesn't it? Slightly creepy. Almost as creepy as the jungle. Two days to go, the camp is revealed, and now Chris Eubank is saying he wants to be a hit with fans. I don't think so, Chris. I'm sorry to say this, it's very sweet of you to make a contribution, but uh, your time is over. Your time is over. You made a fool of yourself. You sat on television, you were very silly, you were very arrogant. You haven't boxed for God knows how long. 
And uh, I think people are bored with you. We know you're obviously trying to resurrect something. What it is, I've got no idea. George Shelley, apparently, is already trying to do the sexy thing. But, uh, in fact, he says, my mum would tell me off if I tried to fumble in the jungle. Um, he's looking for love, though. What, you serious? I mean, you can't ser- Please tell me you're not serious enough to think that you have to go into the jungle to be paid a fee to find love. That difficult, is it? I suppose so. Stay well clear, OK, of, uh, of Yorgi Porter. OK, she's an attention seeker. I keep warning people about these people because she will sell stories on you. When she comes out of the jungle, she'll be keeping some sort of a diary. Not that I think she's bright enough to actually write a diary, but I think she'll be keeping some sort of diary. She'll be looking to write stuff down. And she'll be going, oh, George, I tried it on with, he wasn't interested, all this kind of thing. So just be warned. Just be warned. He, he, he will actually get this message. It will filter through. I should be sending it via the old, uh, via the old jungle drums. Then we get out there. Oh, there's, a, there's a, an autobiography coming out. You won't believe whose it is. It's another old has-been. And I'll tell you about that person a little bit later. Also, really sad to, to tell you that... <sighs> Sorry. Poor, poor Jesse Nelson... That's the one with the face like a rugby ball, who's in Little Minx. Mix, sorry. Uh, sh- sorry. <sighs> She's had a bust up with her with her part time boyfriend, who's called Jake Rosher. Jake Rosher is the one who walks around his house naked. His uh, mother's Colleen Nolan, you know that marvelous singer from the uh, from from the, from the Nolan group, where she stood at the back and lalaed. And uh, Jake wears a hat because otherwise he just looks like another nerd from Blackpool. And uh, anyway, they were out in a club the other day. How they can afford to go to a club? I've got no idea. She must have the money. Can't have diddly squat. You only had one hit single. Have they had anything else? I don't think so. But apparently, uh, Jesse had been partying at a nightclub with Jake, but then they both stormed out separately. Do you think it's to try and get some public? Anyway, she looked all a bit. Sorry. She looked a bit emotional about the whole thing because, you know. When you do look like a rugby ball with legs, it's a bit difficult to try and sort of get over. I'm being kind. I'm trying to be nice. It's not easy at this time of the morning. And so they've had a bit of a bust up. Do you think he stood at the club with his hat on? And they go, oh, that's who you are because you've got your hat on. Take it off. Oh, look, he's disappeared completely. But uh, anyway, uh, they, apparently they, uh, they, they, they did post a selfie later, but she was crying in the back of a cab. Oh, dear. Oh, well, there you go. Stop being an adult, dear. Why don't you sort of stop going out? If you're supposed to be an item, why don't you just stay in more? You know, is that too much to ask? It's just the fact that he goes out with his little hat on. How sweet. How sweet. It's a little bit, it's sort of, the, it's attention, look at me, look at me. But one hit single is not enough to launch a career. I'm trying to be kind about it. It's not that easy. It is Friday. It is the 13th. Anything can happen. I'll tell you more about Friday the 13th in a moment. So if you're slightly superstitious, then uh, this might be the day that we push you over the edge. Because it's, uh, it apparently is something that worries a lot of people. I personally don't worry about it. White rabbits, white rabbits, first of the month, isn't it? What the heck do we do on Friday the 13th? Tell you in a moment. 14 to 5. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's nice to have your company. 11 minutes to 5. So the news that you're waking up to is that 99% certain Jihadi John is dead, killed in a drone strike. The Pentagon have confirmed that they've been tracking him all day. The drone knew exactly where he was. And at the click of the mouse, they dropped a bomb and uh, and hopefully blew him to smithereens. But uh, that was the news you heard first on LBC this morning. We're, we're running with it because the Pentagon have said 99% certain. Dolly Parton singing about her Smoky Mountain memories, and it was John Denver who did Rocky Mountain High. Rocky Mountain High. Thank you very much indeed. And um, another one here. 
which says, can't find David Archuleta. Oh, you can. David Archuleta, he's, uh, it's, he's just, he's so good. He's so good. Don't, you don't have to find him. You, you, you can, uh, on YouTube, you just type in Mormon Tabernacle Choir Christmas. Second video down. I think you'll see a picture of a young man in a suit with a bow tie. That's David Archuleta. And he's on their, uh, on their Christmas show from the other year. Uh, other stuff. Oh, yes. Just on the subject of, <laughs> Of the, of the how lucky you're feeling today. 60 million of you claim to be scared of Friday the 13th. And when I say scared, I mean scared. Some of you will not go outside the house. Some of you will even not get out of bed. Some won't go to work. Well, I suppose if you don't get out of bed, you're not going to go to work, are you? Uh, shockingly, nearly 8% of people in the United States claim a phobia about this uh, portentous date. Uh, but why is it? Why is it? It's this fear of Friday the 13th. There is a name for it. Uh, people who are scared of it often display signs of extreme anxiety and nervousness as the day approaches. Is it because of the 13th? Is it the, um, is it the Last Supper? Is that what it is? Is it, is it the 13th? Was it Judas? Was that, the, was that the thing? Apparently, they reckon it costs the American economy 500 million quid because people won't fly or arrange business meetings. It's superstition, isn't it? It's the pinch and a punch for the first day of the month kind of thing. Uh, many airports don't have gate 13. Some hospitals don't have a Ward 13. Skyscrapers are often built without a 13th floor. <coughs> I don't think you'll find... Is, there, is it on aircraft? There is no seat 13. Um, row 13. Seat 13. <laughs> Must be a seat 13, wasn't there, really? Uh, seafarers have long considered it bad luck to set off on a journey on, uh, on a Friday. A fact reinforced for many when the Costa Concordia ship ran aground on Friday the 13th. Uh, there can be as many as uh, three... Friday the 13th. Yes, I mean, some say, I was right, actually, that it stems from the last summer, supper where Judas was the 13th guest. Judas was the 13th guest. Uh, the longest period that can pass without a Friday the 13th uh, occurring is 14 months. So, uh, unlucky for some, but to be honest with you, I mean, you know, if anything does go wrong today, you can put it down. You can go, ah, because it's Friday the 13th. Ah, Friday the 13th. And that kind of covers it, doesn't it? Everything goes, ah, Friday the 13th. I've got no idea why. They just go, oh, Friday the 13th. Oh, I ran over, you know, my foot today. Ah, Friday the 13th. You know, I didn't, I didn't get that lottery win. Ha, ah, Friday the 13th. I, of course, think it's an absolute bonus. Absolute bonus. Uh, apparently, uh, Chip Hawks is still touring. He was on stage in Porth Call last night and went down a storm. Uh, says that Noreen, she knows about these things because she goes to see all these groups. And Rick Westwood has given up playing in the tremolos. She said, can you wish Winnie, Winnie good luck? And who can fill Terry Wogan's shoes? And the answer is nobody can. You cannot fill Terry Wogan's shoes. You know, Brucey is Brucey. Who could fill Brucey's shoes? Nobody. It's like when I asked David Attenborough, who could fill your shoes? They started pushing a woman forward on the BBC and everybody was going, who's she? And they go, she's the next David Attenborough. I thought, no, she's not. No, she's absolutely not. Never try and take over somebody's shoes when they're still alive and they're filling them very well. Nobody can, And I said to David Attenborough, who, who, who could fill your shoes? He said, nobody. Of course they couldn't. Nobody can do what, what he does. Nobody. Like, nobody can do what Terry Wogan does. They can all stand there going, wish you well, Tone, you know, which they will be doing, won't they? They will be saying, wish you well, Terry, and that kind of stuff. And then the whole show will just degenerate because they'll all want to be leading it. And you'll have to listen to Fern Cotton, who sits there trying not to look like a truck driver advertising Yorkies. Nick Grimshaw will just look uncomfortable because he's just not a comfortable presenter. You know, if you do radio, you do radio. You can be comfortable sitting in a studio doing a radio programme. Doesn't mean you can do a television programme, as he's proved quite successfully. 
quite successfully. Uh, we will, after six o'clock this morning, talk about the uh, Support Black Taxi's Christmas appeal. They don't want money from you, but they need a little bit of help. So uh, perhaps with your help this morning, we can, we can sort something out, which would be quite nice. Uh, one here. And um, this is from... Oh, somebody's in Trinidad. Good Lord. In, in, uh, in the Caribbean. How nice. I'd love to be in the Caribbean quite now. What do you have in your Caribbean for breakfast? What would be a breakfast? I don't know why I'm thinking, sort of shinning up a coconut uh, palm and getting a... Co- I could eat coconut all day, actually. But I can't remember if it's supposed to be good for me or bad for me. Uh, American Idol. Thank you, Gene, uh, was what David Archuleta is on. I'm going to buy one of his albums. I've decided. I think he's absolutely well worth buying an album of because uh, his voice is absolutely superb. It really is. And when you see him singing with the, uh, with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, it, it kind of works, actually. Uh, Kate says, if I won 13 million today, I wouldn't turn it down. Just as well, it's 91 million then, isn't it? What's that? Nobody's interested in 13 million. Oh, peanuts, peanuts. We only want the 91 million, but as, uh, there's about as much chance of winning it as me flying around the moon and coming back here in time for the five o'clock news. It's uh, the odds are stacked very much against you. Kelly Brook makes the papers today. Why does Kelly Brook make the papers? Because they've airbrushed her waist because she's quite chunky in the in the old thigh department. And uh, so she's been airbrushed. But, you know, it's never let it. But most people's photograph is airbrushed whenever they use them in the in the newspapers. Uh, there's also fury in one of the papers today, the lax security at UK jails. They've got three old lags sitting down there surrounded by drugs and mobile phones. It's just unbelievable. This is supposed to be prison. I'm obviously in the wrong country, aren't I? And uh, what was the other one, actually? Oh, the other one was um, uh, Brian May saying, I'll never fit in all the hits because Queen are touring. They've got a new lead singer for it who's sung with them before. And they're going off to do some, uh, some shows next year, which is going to be fantastic. I think they just like performing. I think they just like performing. I mean, nothing, I think, could ever replace Freddie Mercury at all. Uh, hunt for a con man in a pudsy onesie. Pudsy onesie. It's incy wincy spider, isn't it? Really pudsy onesie. And uh, he's been going around pubs collecting, I'd like to give to uh, Pudsy, I'd like to give to Pudsy. And then he's been trousering it. You know, you never ever give to people who just wander around pubs, really with a bucket going, we'd like to put some money in here. Well, who are you? I'm just a con man collecting, you know, I'm just going to trouser most of it. You've got to be so careful nowadays. How do you know how people are genuine? And don't tell me that waving a little bit of ID in front, you can print it off on the internet. You can even put a barcode on and everything else. Makes it look professional. The one that this bloke had, they said, looked like a photocopy. Which, of course, it was, because he's trousering. Luckily, the papers have got pictures of him. Um, the, the fumbles in the jungles, I say. There's actually a, a nookie corner now. Well, we knew about that. There was always a nookie corner. Chris Biggins told us about that ages ago. I don't think they ever called it nookie corner. But honestly, they're hoping for some sort of interreaction with sort of two people who must be so desperate they're prepared to play their sordid little lives out in front of a television crew. I don't quite get this thing myself. And so because they've got Yorgi Porter, they go, she's really sexy. Have you heard her talk? It's like talking to a remedial three-year-old. I mean, I promise you, it's just, it's awful. It's absolutely dreadful. And they go, oh, she's very sexy. Because nowadays, the, the papers like to build them up. So if you buy the Daily Star, they'll have a picture of a few old tarts on the front page. And they go, isn't this really, really sexy? And you go, no, it's not. Might be sexy if you come from Newcastle or something like that. But, I mean, it, apart from that, it's just it just looks tarty. It just looks absolutely horrible. And people think, it's like me. If I actually pose with my hands behind my head and sort of, you know, like that and stick, stick my chest out a little bit, does that make me sexy? Too right it does. Absolutely. <laughs> Steve Allen, the page seven hunk. 
page 7, page 8, page 9. I just keep going on all those pages. Uh, who's going to have the, uh, the kiss and tell book? Oh, God. Just when you thought she'd disappeared and gone away. No, she's dragged her weary carcass back again. And it's so desperate, so desperately sad... And uh, when I tell you who she is, you'll go, oh, God, she's not still around, is she? The answer is she is, and she's going to do a book. It's somebody that most of you probably will not have heard of. I'm quite intrigued by, uh, by Ricky Wilson. Not intrigued, intrigued by Ricky Wilson. Uh, he's revealed that he will quit The Voice after next year's series. He says he will not go to ITV, which, of course, they haven't bought him for ITV. What ITV have bought is the format you wouldn't want the same people on The Voice. ITV have got their own people, and he isn't one of them. So when he says he won't go to ITV, like, you know, they buy the programme and you buy all the people on it. No, you don't. You buy the format for a certain amount of years, and they would put their own people on. You know, <coughs> they would have people who know about the music business. On ITV, they've got loads. So anybody who's been on it on the BBC, I mean, at the moment the thing finishes, goodbye, thank you very much indeed. I love the way he sort of says he won't go to ITV. Well, they haven't asked for you. They haven't asked for you at the moment. Picture of Barbara Windsor dressed up as Chewbacca here and uh, as Obi-Wan Kenobi, Terry Wogan. But as he's not presenting, they're going to have to have somebody else uh, doing it, which will be, uh, be OK, won't it? I think he'll actually sort of manage to, uh, to get by. Apparently, it's something to do with a bad back, but he's never pulled out before. You know, and you can get things for bad backs. You know, they could have given him diclofenic or something like that, and he could have he could have got through it because they must have rehearsed it, I should imagine. But he's not doing it, and it's too late for it to have made the papers. So that's why we told you first. It's uh, Steve Allen's early breakfast. The minister tells the poor, "Get rid of your satellite dishes." People still have satellite. Of course they do. That's how you get the thing. I don't have one. I don't have one. But uh, the news that you woke up to uh, this morning on LBC, and we broke the news first is that an airstrike targeting the British IS militant Mohammed Mwazi, known as Jihadi John, has been carried out in Syria by US forces. The Pentagon press secretary, Peter Cook, said it wasn't clear whether he'd been killed in the strike, but they say it's 99% certain that he is dead by a drone. More on that coming up very shortly on LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Friday the 13th. It rings true for Jihadi John. Pentagon saying 99% certain he's been killed. He was targeted in a Syria airstrike. We broke the news this morning first on LBC that the drone had been following him all day. And once they discovered the building he'd gone into, somebody somewhere clicked on a mouse and released a bomb. They're 99% certain that he is dead. The Prime Minister is aware. Uh, pervert Rolf Harris in Hospital Dash. He's got diabetes. He's 85. He overdosed on chocolate. No sympathy there. Uh, Ricky Wilson quitting The Voice, he said, after the next series, which, of course, is just as well, because that will be the last series on the BBC. Terry Wogan pulls out of Children in Need. First time ever. And uh, the girl, age seven. What a gift. For her birthday, lucky little seven-year-old, what did she get? £50 million worth of diamonds. Her daddy's a billionaire, incidentally, I should point out, and he bought these, uh, these beautiful diamonds. I think one of them he paid £31 million for, and, uh, and obviously it's gone to her, which obviously means that, you know, that'll be her inheritance for later. How lovely. Can you imagine having that? How could it be possible to have that much money? Uh, also, a rap as Clooney drops in. 
to a, a rap shop, and there's about 200 fans outside. And it was one of these shops where I think they do some... If memory serves, but they do some good for something. I can't remember exactly what it was. But I think he left about $1,000 for them, as, which is nothing you know, to somebody like him. But it's still a nice gesture. Still a nice gesture. Uh, the hunt for the con man in the pudsy onesie. He goes round. There will be lots of people who will be going out tonight. Uh, some will be genuine. Some will be crooks. And they'll be targeting people in pubs who've had a few drinks. You know, I'd like to put some money in here. What's it going to? Going to, uh, to pudsy. Not always, I'm afraid. Not always. The poppy tin thief silenced in court. And uh, Newsnight's Evan, I've left it too late to be a father. But, uh, and that, and apart from the bad weather over the weekend, which is not going to be great, there's no point getting your car washed, which I find terribly depressing. I like getting the car washed, although it doesn't actually seem to get dirty, this particular colour I've got. And uh, we're just going to be lashed by rain and misery and all that. It's horrible, isn't it? Uh, Dave says, windy night in Grove Park. I bet. I bet. Shouldn't really laugh, actually, about that. Uh, Johnny says, when I fly and we hit turbulence, I run up to row 14 and shout, you're really sitting in row 13. So cruel, isn't it? But there isn't a, is there? There isn't a row 13. And you don't find floor 13s in hotels. Don't they jump? I mean, I'm never sure whether that's just an apocryphal story. or what. I need to go into London hotels and start checking if there really is a floor 13. And Paul at Cheney's, he says, I think Paul told you the news. He didn't. He didn't. But baby number six... Baby number six. That's it. Six and out, but everybody's very excited. Daniel said he's been uh, wishing for a baby and said wishes do come true. So baby number six. Good grief. I mean, it's nearly enough for a football team. Nearly enough for a football team. Six babies. That's exciting. Is that a netball team? So we think we think six is a netball team, Paul. <laughs> Either way, it's still lovely, isn't it, for Christmas? How nice. How nice. And what well-behaved children. What well-behaved children. Uh Basketball plus one, is it? I never... Be- is basketball netball? Is that... Oh, it's different, is it? Oh, the American when they run up and down. Is that... Dum, 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 sweet Georgia Brown. Is that that one? Is that the Harlem... Is that the ha- Harlem Globetrotters? Volleyball. I can't do it. I used to play rounders. But we called it something else. We called it... I can't remember what we called it. We called it something else, actually. A traditional cooked breakfast in the Caribbean from the island of Jamaica consists of boiled green bananas, okay, fried dumplings, uh, callaloo, which is spinach, ackee. I love it. You see, I can remember a song years ago sung by somebody who went, ackee, rice, sunfish, or nice, and the... And that one. So that's ackee. Ah, right. And salted fish. It differs from island to island. Now, that's the one we have in Jamaica. Spinach. I like that, actually. Fried dumplings. Fried dumplings. <sighs> that sounds nice. Actually, we, must, we, we do this every day, and you're as guilty as I am. You keep talking about food. And, and once you talk about food, it gets me going, and I've got to watch what I'm eating. I've really got to watch what I'm eating. And yet, I thought Friday... I was going to treat myself tonight because I've not had a Chinese takeaway for months. Months and months and months. And I thought, I'll have Chinese takeaway. And then the guilt factor hits. And the guilt factor is, don't have it. It's not good for you. And then I think, I could just have a little bit of it. And, then, and the guilt hits in and there's a little man inside my head banging me with a hammer going, don't eat it. Don't eat it. It's evil. And I'm going, no, it's really quite nice. It's really quite nice. Uh, after six o'clock this morning, I'm going to... I started to tell you yesterday, but I didn't have all the, uh, the facts. I was waiting for, for Paul to let me know uh, about the uh, Support Black Taxis appeal, together with a group of London licensed black taxi drivers. They're looking for some help. They don't need money. They're, they're, not, a, they're not a charity or anything like that. They're looking for you to help them out with 
offers of help of blankets and little bits and pieces. I'll tell you more about it after six. But just to, you know, to let you know that if you've got things lying around that you don't need, they want to do it to try and help uh, the people who are sleeping out in London. So they're looking for all sorts of things. Socks. <laughs> socks, blankets, sleeping bags, food, snacks, all sorts of things for the people on the streets. And I felt, you know, I felt really awful again this morning. And I nearly stopped the car and I, I thought, no, I'll bump into him again. I was waiting for the car this morning. And because re- there's never anybody about. I'm the only one about at that time of the morning. I get cruised by sort of rogue minicabs who are sort of looking, did you order a minicab? No, I didn't. Because uh, I know which one I'm waiting for. Anyway, this, this, uh, this, this guy comes round the corner Black guy, and he's pushing like a little shopping trolley with all his belongings in it. And and he gets level with me. And so I turned around, so I said, morning. And he went, morning. I said, you're all right. And he went, I am. And he gave me the biggest smile that anybody's ever given me. And, and, I, and just at that precise moment, my car pulled up. And so I get into it, and I was like sort of the kid waiting for the postman. I sort of I look out the window as he sort of trudges up the road, pushing his little trolley, and I thought to myself, should I stop the car and go and give him some money? Or would he think it was an insult? Because I've had that before when I've tried to give somebody money, and they've sort of, sort of pushed it away, so I don't really know. And, uh, and because he had such a nice big smile, I wanted to do that, but I didn't do it. So if I see him again next time, I'm definitely going to do it. I'm definitely going to give him some money. But then how much? 10, 20? What, how much money do you give somebody? Enough to sort of, you know get them a hot meal somewhere or something like that. It was just the fact that that's what he had. But he might have chosen that life. I don't know. I knew nothing about him at all. I just thought it was... It just kind of struck a chord with me. And so when the, uh, the support black taxis were sort of talking about what, what they're doing, I thought, there are people. I see them every day on the Strand. People who, you know, are homeless and they live in doorways. And some of them like the life. Some of them are there through choice. Some of them are there because things have fallen apart at home. Some of them are there through alcohol abuse. Some are there through drugs. Either way, they're on the streets and you're not. And that's the difference. And when you hear what the, what the licensed taxi drivers want, it's not a great deal. And I know that, I know that you're going to, uh, to help them out a little bit. So you'll need a pen and a piece of paper for just after six, actually. Please don't write to me any more about Caribbean breakfasts. I'm quite hungry enough as it is. Uh, Mark says, how can anybody overdose on chocolate in prison? I think you can buy chocolate in prison. I don't know that. I'm just, I'm just saying that. Um, I'm, I'm just sort of thinking out loud that there's obviously chocolate is a, is a commodity. Well, listen, if they can get cannabis and cocaine and mobile phones in, I should imagine a piece of chocolate is dead easy. Would you not think so? Uh, lots of adverts in all the papers for, for Christmas food and turkey and... and oh, dear, just too much food at this time of the morning. Too much food. Uh, the, the George Clooney pictures are in everything because he drops in um, to a sandwich shop. He visited a diner staffed by former homeless people. He was in Edinburgh to give a speech. Luckily, he had a film crew with him and a camera crew, so that was quite lucky, wasn't it? He stayed for 15 minutes. He said it was uh, fantastic, and he donated, uh, because this, this cafe donates as well. I think he gave about $1,000. Still George Clooney, isn't it? You know, to do something like that. They don't have to do it. Nobody has to donate, but when, when they do, they get brownie points, as far as I'm concerned. Has everybody seen this, uh, this bulldog skating to the record? I wasn't sure if it was a fake film. And it's lovely, actually. It's, uh, it's a bulldog who's on a skateboard, and uh, this has gone viral at the 11th annual Guinness World Records Day as he achieved the feat in Peru. And so what did they put this thing on, on the skateboard? And people stand there with their legs wide apart. It's a bit like a scene from Towie. And, um, and the, the bulldog just goes underneath. Doesn't stay, of course. And, uh, and they did quite well, actually. 
Hundreds of people tried to beat the selfie chain record at Bath. And then there was uh, somebody called Bree Kirk Bernand over in Sydney, Australia. It's a girl, incidentally. And she did hula hoops. Hula, did you ever try hula hoops? I've tried hula hoops. I'm rubbish. I can't do hula hoops, but my, uh, my youngest... Uh, had hula hoops. You go, Uncle Steve, why don't you have a go? And I sort of, rubbish. Why is it kids can do things that shame you? And you start doing it, you think, this is just ridiculous. Anyway, she didn't have one or 20 or 40 or 100 hula hoops. She had 181 hula hoops around her waist. (laughs) Some people do this. How do you ever discover that you want to do things like that? But uh, well done to her anyway. And so she's uh, in the Guinness Book of Records, which I haven't had for ages. I keep meaning to try and get hold of a copy of the Guinness Book of Records. I will do it at some point. At some point, I will sit down and read it. Uh, We'll tell you later on about the uh, NHS nightmare before Christmas. We'll tell you as well about Kelly Brooks' waist. I mean, honestly, it's almost laughable. I've seen photoshopping, but by God. I mean, photoshopping on uh, on the Steve Allen brochure <coughs> is quite uh, quite unique. Here's the picture of the uh, the lags in prison uh, in a video filmed on a mobile phone in Rochester prison. Uh, they're riddled with illegal mobiles. These people look as though they're wearing vests. I don't know that many people who actually want to sit around in their vest. And um, the illegal mobiles are used by lags in drug deals. And so they posted this. The phone is two point six inches long. That's how, that's how big the phone is. Is that a genuine phone, 2.6 inches long? And they've got some of them who are sort of wired up. They've got corded phones. And, and quite clearly, this is the way of life there. Plus, they've got loads of cannabis. Loads of cannabis. And they seem to have quite a number of, uh, of phones in there. What is going on in the, in the UK prisons? I mean, how are they allowed to get away? They're allowed to get away with this and photograph it and then send it to the outside world. They're all in prison because they're criminals, as you can well imagine. But, uh, you know, so they've got mobile phones. So, in fact, life doesn't change. Life doesn't change. Uh, Mark's wanted, don't you think that family members bring in, uh, <coughs> excuse me, chocolate uh, for Rolf Harris? I don't know. I don't know what the rules are in prison. I've got no idea whether or not you're allowed to bring something in and you can and leave it for I really don't know. I really don't know. If you're just joining us on uh, on LBC, then uh, we have some news for you, which you'll be uh, waiting for. It's about Jihadi John, and we'll have more in the bulletin, which is now because it's quarter past five. Nick and the team at breakfast. The uh, British Medical Association have announced that junior doctors will stage two strikes next month if they vote to take industri- industrial action. Are they letting the country down? A special report from LBC's Conor Gillies on London's shocking rise in knife crime. And guess who's not coming to dinner or breakfast or lunch? That's Nick and the team from 7 After the Morning News with Lisa Aziz. Looking at the papers for Nick this morning, it's Jonathan Isabi, Chief Executive of the Taxpayers Alliance. And uh, Nick will be talking about, as well, the news, which, uh, if you've been with LBC since... Uh, the early hours this morning at four o'clock, when we, uh, just after the news, we talked to Simon Marks, our correspondent over in America. He confirmed that the airstrike, the drone strike, which the Pentagon had launched in Syria, targeting specifically the IS militant Mohammed Mwazi, known as Jihadi John, has been carried out. They are 99% certain, the Pentagon have said, 99% certain that Mwazi, or Jihadi John, was killed in the attack. So we'll have updates on that for you. So stay with LBC and uh, we'll make sure we bring you up to date with it. The drones apparently had been following him all day. What I'll do, probably um, just after half past, I'll play you uh, what we did 
just after four o'clock this morning with Simon Marks. And you can hear exactly uh, the conversation that I had with him. And then you'll hear exactly what he said. The, the drones have been following all day. They knew exactly where he was. These drones have taken warfare to a, a completely new level. You can fly them over there. They can carry bombs and somebody can track it with a mouse. You can watch it. You can see the cameras on board. And at the right moment, you just push a mouse, click, left hand click, and it drops the bomb. And uh, they're pretty certain, 99% certain, that they've killed Jihadi John. Uh, Back from Blackpool, says Dorman Dom. Very sad to hear the death of Phil Taylor. Yeah, Phil Taylor is the ex-motorhead drummer. Uh, Phil, filthy animal Taylor. He's died age 61. He played on all of the group's biggest albums, including Overkill and Ace of Spades. Uh, fellow band member Eddie Clark said he was one hell of a character. He'd been ill for some time, but it didn't make it any easier. Which is a shame, really. I knew him well, says Dorman Dom. It is sad, isn't it? 61 is absolutely nothing in this day and age. Absolutely nothing at all. Somebody says the Hilton on Park Lane has a 13th floor. Do you think it's sort of pretend, though? Do you think it's a pretend one? Uh, Claire says, I'm a prison lawyer and attend prisons throughout the UK. I drive a, a BMW and my key fob has to be checked each time as mobile phones are disguised as BMW key fobs. Good Lord. And Rolf Harris wouldn't be allowed to have chocolate taken into him. But you can buy chocolate, can't you, inside? I would have thought that would be that would be part of the thing. They must have a little shop where you can buy chocolate. That would be some sort of treat. But as a diabetic, I don't know why they sold it to him. Well, perhaps I do. Uh, George Clooney uh, lives in Reading, as my friend with nearly 40 other workers just finished building his mansion three days ago. Weren't they sort of putting in... There was something, actually, uh, that they were putting in. He's, he's got a... I thought it was down at Henley somewhere. I'm pretty certain that they were doing... Um, CCTV cameras all over the place. It's only George Clooney. I think people are going to be knocking on the door. Well, I don't know. I might drive down there, actually, knock on the door and ask if he's got any milk. I'm your next-door neighbour. <laughs> uh, the song you sang is called Jamaica Fell Well, says Dave. No, the one I was singing was... Um, um, I can't remember his name now. Uh, Nat King Cole. Was it Nat King Cole? Aki rice and fish are nice and sounds good any time of year. And I'm sad to say I'm on my way. Won't be back for many a day. I know, I'm sure the spinners covered it, but I'm pretty certain. It's called... Met a little girl in Kingston Town. I think it was called Kingston Town, actually. News is Chris Evans could be hosting Children in Need. Well, it needs somebody. Need somebody who can host it. Oh, please, God, he doesn't do it with that dreadful Welsh girl. <laughs> please, God. That would be just a nightmare, wouldn't it, really? Uh, the other story is of about a thief. And uh, he stole... I mean, we get some low lights in this country, but I think actually stealing from, from the war dead is just about the lowest you can get. It's like anything to do with touching the cenotaph or urinating on a cenotaph or anything like that. And here's a man called Chris Anderson. He was hauled into court on Armistice Day uh, because he... Um, he stole a poppy appeal tin. The magistrate heard the crook's guilty plea. He sent him to the cells, ordering him back a minute after 11. He was then told to stand in the dock during the two-minute silence to remember the fallen. After remaining silent, he was jailed for 12 months. He had ripped the Royal British Legion's poppy appeal collection box from a chain at a Toby Carvery in Derby. He distracted staff by ordering a glass of water before fleeing. The empty box was found dumped in a nearby street disgusting person. So a year in prison. Not quite enough, is it, really? I think things like that should carry very heavy prison sentences. Um, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, he's been in the papers a few times, hasn't he, over the past uh, past few days. Firstly, he was sort of very lonely. He's got all this money, but he doesn't have anybody to share his life with. But he does seem to be sort of quite OK with it, really. 
Does seem to me. And uh, he's defended his decision to bring up his son without the boy's mother. He was doing uh, one of those Jonathan Ross toe-curlingly embarrassing interviews where, you know, any minor celebrity is made to feel as though they're absolutely enormously successful, which uh, doesn't quite work for me every single time. It does work in a, in a lot of occasions, but not in every single one. Not in every single one. Uh, another one here. 84850, steve at uk. Everything woven in on the programme. Uh, poor old Wally Murs who turns up the other day uh, on, uh, on a radio programme and then kept saying to the radio presenter, oh, you know, uh, you haven't brought me in. And then he starts asking these really, really bad, bad questions. So he's had to apologise afterwards. I'm really sorry. I should have, I should have done research, which, of course, you should do. You know, you do, do research first, and that would be absolutely the, uh, the best thing. You can't just go into an interview unless you know something about the person in question. Uh, there's also... That's a nice outfit, actually. Who is this? It's Rita Ora. Finally looking, actually, uh, respectable for a change. Finally looking respectable. But uh, here she is with a glittering gown. Where do they get these things from? Do you think there must be sort of outfits, you know, or people who just sit down making glamorous outfits for the, uh, the rich and the powerful to, uh, to wear? I suppose they do, actually. I know that when, they, when it comes to the Oscars, there are companies and they, they have all the outfits there and the, the good and the great go in there and they let them pick out outfits. Sadly, it would never be happening for Jordan because nobody wants to be associated with her at all, so she, she'd never be offered free outfits to wear. They'd always have to sort of say, I think you better go and buy something. Many of you complaining about the 5P plastic bags, still complaining about them. Can't imagine why. It doesn't really make any difference, does it? But now some stores are charging for paper bags. 5P for non-plastic carriers. Uh, under last month's new green rules, shops must charge 5p, provided they've got more than, is it 500 staff, I think. Uh, Debenhams and House of Fraser have now started charging for paper bags. Didn't know they did paper bags. They do paper bags. Mind you, I've seen people, honestly, the really the, the dumbest of the dumb, who they go, it's like um, a bag. Yeah, it's 5p. You know, I just sort of say, do you want a bag? It's, you know, if they don't know that, then they've been out of the country or living on the moon somewhere. So you just charge it to them anyway. It's only five pence. Sorry, you've just spent £12 on a piece of steak and you won't spend 5p on a bag. So let them walk out the shop. Let them walk out the shop. Some people say, oh, I, don't, I don't want it now. And you think, well, don't have it. Like we care. I'm not actually sure if um, Starbucks charge for their bags, for their paper carrier bags. Because in theory, they should, shouldn't they? Because they've got more than 500 staff. Do coffee shops, are they included in this? Everything else is, so I see no reason why they, why they shouldn't be. But apparently, uh, paper bags, they're cashing in. They're not covered in the legislation. House of Fraser said it had brought in the charge for um, ethical and moral reasons and proceeds would go to charity. So there you go. I didn't know, actually, that they, they could charge for paper bags because a lot of these shops do paper bags for clothes, don't they? And things like that. And I think that's OK. I think that's OK. But uh, it's only 5p. I don't know why, why people would ever complain about it. It didn't quite make any sense to me. More pictures of poor old Jesse Nelson looking so awful. You know, when you're wearing bright purple lipstick and you look really awful, you know, once you've sort of, uh, once your mascara's run, because apparently she had a little bust up with, uh, with Jake Rosher, it's bound to be on something stupid, isn't it? Perhaps we had one too many drinks. Perhaps they went a little bit over the top. Either way, you kind of worry about this sort of thing. Niall Horan's bid for solo stardom. Apparently has just had one L of a boost. The One Direction singer is counting on his old mate Ellie Goulding to conjure up a breakthrough hit. Why do, I mean, I really don't see this. I really do not see any members of One Direction having successful solo careers. I really don't. Mind you, talking of solo careers, I see that the Hoff, David Hasselhoff, disaster. His latest tour, which I believe is called Last Night a DJ Saved My Life, 
he struggled to sell tickets. He's really struggled to sell tickets. And so he was playing three quarters empty the other night in a 1,200 seat capacity. The show started at 7.30. Empty seats all over the place. He's had to cancel loads of dates due to recent knee injury. I think that's what they uh, what they put it down to nowadays. So uh, perhaps perhaps we we finished our love affair with him. Fantastic. It's uh, five thirty. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Twenty six minutes to six. If you've uh, just woken up and you've joined us on uh, LBC, we broke the news this morning. The big news: an airstrike targeting Mohammed Emwazi, known as Jihadi John, has been carried out in Syria. The Pentagon confirmed that. And uh, they have also informed the Prime Minister, who in turn has informed the families of those people who were affected by the actions of Jihadi John. The Pentagon officials say now they're 99% certain that Emwazi was killed in the attacks. Now, earlier on in the show, I spoke with our US correspondent, Simon Marks, who gave us the latest from Washington. There appears to be a growing belief on the part of U.S. officials that they have indeed killed Jihadi John, uh, that British citizen, Mohammed Mwazi, uh, who featured in so many of those brutal Islamic State videos, who was seen uh, killing the American journalist James Foley and playing a role in the murder uh, of several other Western hostages, including uh, the British aid workers Alan Henning and David uh, Haynes. Uh, one U.S. official is telling Fox News here in the United States, we are 99% certain that we killed him. Uh, he was, say, Pentagon officials eviscerated as he left a building in the Syrian city of Raqqa, where a U.S. drone had been tracking him for some time, watching him all day. Uh, they believed that they had uh, clarified his identity. They saw him going into a building to attend a meeting with other Islamic State figures, and the drone struck that building uh, as he later left it. So they're providing now uh, an enormous amount of information about this attack. And this is very unusual, Steve, for mm. the Pentagon. It's now 10 past 11 here in the evening on a Thursday night in Washington, D.C., very unusual for the Pentagon to be providing this level of information. It suggests that they are indeed certain uh, that he has been removed from the field of battle. What's, what's the next uh, procedure, Simon? Will they have to produce photographic evidence to prove that he is dead? Well, look, I mean, I think that they're going to have some difficulty uh, gathering precise data from the ground because that Syrian city of Raqqa uh, is the de facto Islamic State headquarters. It is the town where many of those Western hostages uh, were held and uh, we think were killed by Islamic State. It's the town that you see uh, in some of those videos where the hostages are so uh, brutally murdered. Uh, so all of the data that the Pentagon is currently pouring over, we presume has been filmed from those drones flying above Raqqa uh, as opposed to being precise photographic evidence gathered on the ground itself or DNA evidence gathered on the ground itself. It is worth uh, wondering, I think, whether they had any kind of human intelligence uh, on the ground in Syria that led them, uh, at least initially, uh, to think that they'd found him and led the drones to start flying in the sky. But on the other hand, uh, you know, these U.S. drones are flying around the clock. 
uh, in the skies above Syria, and they certainly will have been targeting Raqqa and mapping it for many months, following a wide variety of figures there uh, in a bid to try and get not just him, uh, but some of the other prominent members of Islamic State. Remember that he was described by former hostages uh, as one of the so-called Beatles, the four uh, Western Islamic State fighters uh, who treated the hostages with uh, a considerable degree uh, of brutality during their time in captivity. So there's no question that Jihadi John and the other members of that group were very much prime targets for the U.S. military. We're also being told, by the way, that they informed the British government of the attack, which in turn contacted the families uh, of some of those hostages uh, in whose deaths uh, Jihadi John is alleged to have played a role. So again, further evidence that they think they got their man. And so you think that the, uh, that the Prime Minister, David Cameron, is well aware of the situation? Uh, according to US officials who are briefing reporters here, the UK government was kept in touch with information uh, about this uh, military strike, which got underway uh, during the course of the last few hours uh, on the ground there in Syria. We don't yet know, uh, we haven't yet been told, whether the British government was given advance notice uh, of the military strike, but US officials say that certainly the British government was notified about it and then in turn contacted the families of some of those people uh, that Jihadi John is reputed to have played a role in murdering. Simon Marks, our American correspondent, talking to me earlier on LBC. That's for those people who've only just uh, woken up this morning, so 99% certain that he's been killed in the attacks. Uh, going back to Friday the 13th, George and Chandler's Ford, which I know very well, says the, the date originates from about 1100 AD when the Knights Templars were rounded up in France and tortured to death. I always thought that it was... He said there are obviously d- different theories on Friday the 13th. I seriously thought that it was to do with the Last Supper and the 13th person was Judas Iscariot. That's, that's why I thought it was, it was considered unlucky. That's why. Uh, according to, uh, to Paul... In Kingston, he thinks that Harrods don't charge for bags. They bear the cost of it and pay the government the charge, was an article in The Standard. I haven't read it, actually. I thought it was a legal requirement. I mean, how would they know how many bags they would be handing over? Uh, Jamaica Farewell, no. Jamaica Farewell, was that somebody else's farewell? I can't, Harry Belafonte. Actually, the singer might have been Harry Belafonte. You might be right on that song, but I'm not sure if it was Jamaica Farewell. And uh, apparently, I bought perfume last week, says Steve, at Terminal 2 Heathrow, and Duty Free didn't charge me for the bag. Maybe it's duty free. I don't know, actually, if they've got more, if it's more than 500 staff, they're duty bound to charge. Perhaps there's something about duty free that means that they, because you're not paying certain tax. I don't know. I mean, to be honest with you, it sounds all a bit bizarre, doesn't it, really? Uh, George Clooney lives in Sonning um, with an estate back onto the Thames. Yeah, he's actually very near uh, to. Um, uh, Henley-on-Thames. I know that because I remember thinking about it, actually, and thinking, all oh, right, I wonder where exactly that house is. So, Sonning. Jason, the Sovereign Man, off to your favourite place, Blackpool, for the weekend with the lad, Steve. Hello, lovelies. Oh, God, it's going to be terrible weather this weekend. I mean, it really is. The, the rain is going to lash down. We're going to have sort of winds and gustings and everything else. So uh, just make sure you don't want sort of umbrellas flying about all over the place. Emma says, 5p for a plastic bag. Why are people moaning? I bought four last night from Tesco just so I could clear out the cat litter box. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't have any problem with 5p either. 
I really don't have any problem with fibre. And yet some people obviously have a big problem. I think Nick Ferrari has spoken to people on The Breakfast Show on LBC time and time again, who when they first started charging for bags in the supermarkets, Marks and Spencer, people turned them inside out. But even more bizarre are the people who sort of turn up at Marks and Spencer's with a Waitrose bag. As if Marks and Spencer are going to go, oh, you can't put our stuff in there. They couldn't care less. You paid for it. That's your fault. Why do people think that's something completely off kilter? And, um, and looking at uh, poor, poor old Jesse Nelson, honestly, the Tommy's purple lipstick, when, as I say, you've got a face shaped like a rugby ball, doesn't quite go well. And she's out with her little boyfriend. As it might even be engaged now. Can't imagine. Imagine the whole of the, 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 uh, the Nolans turning up for something like that. Um, what else do we have? Oh, Niall Horan. I did mention earlier, didn't I, that all these uh, people from One Direction, one of them, uh, Leanne Payne, has shocked fans by saying that it'll be two years before they get back together again. Whereas I'd heard an interview the other day, my friend Greg had uh, done an interview where they'd said next year they're going to be back touring again. They just wanted a bit of a, a, bit of a break. We'll just take a holiday. Don't sort of milk it because that's lying to the fans. That's cheating them because they've got an album out for Christmas. There'll be all the stuff and they just make people very, very depressed. So if they're actually getting back together again next year, as one of them said to my friend Greg, then um, they should have been honest about that first time round. And now Liam has said it's going to last for two years. And they say what what they want to do is establish solo careers. What solo careers? I don't think they'll... I'd be really, really surprised if there is a solo career. I don't think individually any one of them is strong enough to carry on interviews, certainly not sell out places. Listen, if, uh, if the Hoff can only sell out a few seats... Blimey, even Steve Allen can sell out places. I could sell out 2,000-seat places quite easily. And he's struggling. Three quarters empty for a 1,200-seater. Small wonder they have to start cancelling things left, right and centre. Uh, There's a story about bullying in the papers. This is a a lad hit 23 times in the head and he was concussed and they've got it. It was captured. 40 youngsters were like a baying mob around there. And um, this lad called Josh was pinned down by a 15-year-old who hit him with such force... He broke his hand. Last night, Josh's mum told of her fury after prosecutors refused to take action. She said, um, the, the mum said, it's not on. We were told the boy would go to youth court. I mean, I find it quite... Is this in Rotherham? Don't exactly have the best luck up in Rotherham, do they? Let's face it. And a CPS spokeswoman said, this matter was handled by South Yorkshire Police. What do you have to do? to actually get taken to court nowadays. And it appears, judging by some of the cases which are in the papers mentioned today, you have to do an awful lot before they even bother putting you in court or failing that you don't have to do anything and they put you in court. And then uh, and the whole thing degenerates. I did like the story, and I still like the story, of the billionaire's £50 million on diamonds for the seven-year-old. She's going to be absolutely thrilled. He's already renamed the Blue Moon Josephine. After his daughter, uh, he paid 19 million for a pink diamond, which he is renaming Sweet Josephine. And uh, this was at Sotheby's in Geneva, which raised a total of 300 million pounds. This is a, a stunning gem. Two diamonds he spent 50 million pounds on and promptly gave them to his daughter. I mean, she's seven. She's obviously not going to be allowed to handle them or, in fact, go anywhere near them. Uh, still to come. I've got some clips from In Conversation for this week. I'm here on Sunday morning. I'm here tomorrow morning as well, actually. Uh, which is uh, between 5 and 7 for the best of Steve Allen. And then on Sunday morning, between 5 and 6 for In Conversation, two well-known celebrities. This week, it's authors, and I'll tell you who they are after this. Steve Allen on LBC.
Morning, everybody. I'm still getting over the fact that £50 million on diamonds for a seven-year-old girl can't be that bad, can it? Anyway, uh, in conversation, this coming Sunday, it's, uh, it's going to appeal to millions of people. It's two really, really good writers. My first guest on Sunday morning is a number one best-selling crime writer who's recently had her novels The Take and The Runaway adapted into high-rating television dramas. She has achieved sales of over 14 million in the UK alone. It's Martina Cole. So I asked her about leaving school at 15, apparently in controversial circumstances. Well, I sort of left. They said to me, don't you, come back. And <laughs> we won't make you. And similar I said, kind of okay, thing, yeah, similar kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Were you naughty? We parted company. I don't think I was so much naughty. I just wouldn't go. Um, I used to spend all day over the park reading. So but that was more really me. So I just didn't like school. I just hated it. And did your parents not sort of say, you need to go to school? Yeah, often. I used to go, of course I will. And I wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> you were happier in the park. But reading, how interesting. Yeah, I joined my mum and dad, actually, to the library when I was very young, and they never knew. And I used to go, in those days, you know, you could go and get the adult books, and so I'm getting books my mum and dad. Yeah. Um, and that's how I got expelled from the convent the first time, because I was reading The Carpet Baggers, so... <laughs> Harold Robbins. Yeah. Like that was considered racy. Oh, it was, and... I mean, I can still remember my mum saying, how does the nun know what the book was about? Which <laughs> I think made me think there as well, yeah. But no, I just really loved reading. I just, you know, and I still do. I still average two or three books a week. I can remember reading Virgin Soldiers. Oh, God, yeah. I remember thinking that was a bit racy-pacey as well. Well, actually, I remember doing a writer's conference with him years ago. Um, really, really great guy. And um, he left his book on a, on a chair and this lady was reading it. And he walked up and he's, you know, Leslie, what he's like. He's really loud, isn't he? Yeah. I wrote that book and she went, I don't care. And she said, I found it on the chair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bit of a mad one, yeah. Fascinating lady. Martina Cole is my first guest uh, for In Conversation this week. My second guest on the same theme, another number one best-selling author whose books often focus on conspiracies, swindles and how certain rules and themes in politics remain constant, whatever the era. This is Robert Harris and he joined me to talk about the completion of his uh, Cicero trilogy with the final novel in the series Dictator, which was released last month. So I asked him how he first became interested in writing about politics as a schoolboy. What I used to do was make imaginary newspapers, actually. Newspapers <laughs> which were full of untrue stories, can you imagine Good that? Good heavens <laughs> above, I, I uh, can't believe so that. So that was, in a funny way when I look back, I was always interested in using the imagination but from fact. So fake newspapers, fake plans of cities and countries, oh. you know, that was the sort of thing that I used to do. And uh, then graduated from that to writing plays, which I put on with my friends, and then a career in journalism because I wanted to work with words and learn, and, you know, come to London. I wanted to get away yes. from the provinces and I, so I came to work for the BBC. Were you an only child? No, I have a sister, a little bit younger than I am. That's always because I was when you were talking about that. I was thinking this sounded to me like an only child who was who was so dedicated to it. There were no interferences in your life. Well, I think I had some of the uh, attitude of a of an only child in that I, I, I was always very happy to just take myself off and live in my own head. Right. Um, and uh, you know, I've gone on doing that ever since. It's funny. I, w I was thinking the other day that the when my parents went to the parents' evening at school when I was six. 
all the other children had done sort of what me and my hamster, what I did on my holidays. And I had written an essay <laughs> entitled Why Me and My Dad Don't Like Sir Alec Douglas Hume. <laughs> and this was... I've gone on writing that same piece with variations ever since. <laughs> so it was an odd interest, this dual interest in writing and in politics. And uh, anyway, it's been a life. Fascinating. Uh, two people this week for In Conversation, really. Robert Harris... Martina Cole will join me on Sunday morning on LBC between 5 and 6, and I'm live between 6 and 8 with In Conversation. I can tell you that next week it will be David Tennant and Hugh Bonneville. And uh, the reason being is because, again, two fantastic interviews. Uh, They'll be available, not Hugh and uh, David just yet, but the two for this week will be available as a download because the programme is repeated between 9 and 10 at night. And I think, I'm pretty certain that there's videos on both I'm pretty certain that there's videos on both of those guests, and uh, we can we can confirm that for you. Uh, seven minutes to six, in case you're uh, worried about the time this morning, if you've just woken up or you're sort of just pulling yourself to. The news which we revealed exclusively on LBC this morning is that the Pentagon uh, set a drone in Syria off. It had been following Jihadi John for most of the day. Uh, proving that warfare has changed beyond all belief, and uh, they discovered him going into a house... And they promptly dropped a bomb on it. They are 99% certain, that's what they're saying at the moment, 99% certain that they have killed Jihadi John. I did ask the question, as you heard earlier on when I was talking to Simon Marks, our American correspondent, as to whether or not they'll have to produce a body in the same way that Osama bin Laden, they produced photographs so people could see that the person was dead. Whether they produced them for Jihadi John, I have no idea. I have no idea at all. And uh, he said, that's quite a good question. We shall find out, hopefully, a little bit later. But 99% certain, they're saying, that the uh, the Americans have killed Jihadi John in Syria. The Prime Minister is aware. Other stories which are in the uh, the papers today, there is a, a pubsy fake hunt. I only mention it because I think it's rather uh, rather cheeky and a little bit sad that somebody has been pocketing money. Pub goers, this is where I got slightly disturbed, are looking for a bald, chubby, middle-aged man dressed in a grubby yellow onesie, going by the name of Ron Smith, they say, asking for donations. Punters in uh, Malvern got suspicious when he showed a photocopied B by D. And then two women and a man were seen fraudulently collecting from a pub in Worcester days earlier. Because people do that now, don't they? I mean, we, we've had a couple in Twickenham, people standing there in, uh, in outfits, and they're just fraudulently collecting. They just stand there. And it's amazing how many people put money into something. They see somebody there. They've got no idea what it is. You know, I think the one of the ones we had there, it was sort of, it was to do with children. Of course, animals always goes down fairly well, and they go, I'd put some money in here, and people were putting money in there. Not a clue where it was going to. Not a clue at all. Uh, Tom says, I don't mind 5p for a bag, but uh, now I make sure that I have bags with me. Strangely enough, he says, it does seem a bit odd last Friday, Wembley Arena, Motley Crue and Alice Cooper paying 5p. I don't know anybody who takes a shopping bag to a rock concert. Still paid without complaining. I've seen people walking out of shops, though, that's what I find odd, who actually have, um, who actually have sort of just held their, their goods, their shopping in their hands. You think, must be something the matter with you, isn't there? Um, my friend Gary, who knows about these things, says, yes, prisoners can buy chocolate in prison with their own money, as well as biscuits and crisps. But they can't have it... Am I right in assuming, Gary, that they can't have it brought in? And he knows because he's in the business, as they say. So am I right in saying that people can't bring chocolate in? Because these, uh, these uh, prisoners, which are pictured in the paper today, they seem to get everything in their phones, their cannabis. Or is this people turning a blind eye, or do they not have strict security checks? 
Ridiculous, isn't it? And um, <coughs> Mike the Northerner says, uh, me and my twin brother Dave are 49 today on Friday the 13th. Not so good, is it? Friday the 13th. I mean, let, let's try and not think about the Friday the 13th aspect, because it'll only be for some 60 million people throughout the world, <laughs> which uh, which works very well indeed. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Everything we weave in, we don't miss anything out on the programme very quickly. Looking at the uh, the mail Today, they've got losing tax credits, then ditch your pay TV, and still rocking at the age of 274, the combined age of multi-millionaire stars who've had ten wives between them, and would you recognise them? And the answer is, of course you would, because here they all are. Rick Wakeman, uh, multi-million pound fortune, but last year said he was not cash rich. He's a water rat, as indeed he should be. Uh, looking bohemian, the King of Queen, that's Brian May. They reckon he's worth 110 million. I reckon all these rock stars. Look at all these things. And, um, and, and and they go, 110 million. OK, Anita, where is it? Noddy Holder. They say he's got a multi-million pound fortune. They reckon his royalties are worth £500,000 a year. I didn't think it was worth that much. I'm sure a few years back somebody estimated exactly what it was, and it wasn't that much. Uh, Jimmy Page. He's 71, worth 100 million. Record sales between two and 300 million. Who's counting? Divorced twice. And now dating a poet, 45 years his uh, junior. Uh, Noddy Holders had two wives. And uh, Rick Wakeman divorced three times, including uh, a page three model. Yes, he was, um, he was married, I think, to Nina Carter. I think so, because uh, there were two people, Nina Carter and somebody else. And they, um, they were a group called Blonde on Blonde. Blonde on Blonde. And so, uh, so that was always uh, that was always very interesting. And I remember seeing them on the television, Blonde on Blonde, some years ago. But it was Nina Carter and somebody else, and I can't remember exactly who it was. Uh, a lot of people talking about, uh, you know, the carrier. But it's amazing how many of you don't want to uh, don't want to pay for carrier bags. Very mean, very mean. Uh, another one here says uh, you can buy prisoners on visits, food and drinks from the canteen, and they can buy up to thirty pounds a week from the prison shop on their private spends. Apparently that, and they've got a television in the cell and a, and a kettle. They live quite well, actually. <laughs> Which I think is uh, <laughs> hardly worth going to prison, is it, really? Uh, another one here says, uh, at least LBC led the way again with, uh, with the Jihadi John News. Yeah, we talked to Simon Marks over in America. Actually, brought back shades of, uh, of a programme I did about, uh, about six months ago, where we sort of uh, were talking about the latest news. More on Kids' Company. Giving prisoners cash every month, including one murderer, according to the paper. No regard for the implications at all. In fact, no, no regard, actually, for just about anything taking place within kids' company. Friday the 13th, only 60 million of you are worried by it. You don't need to worry anymore. There are no superstitions. Things won't happen to you today. If they do, they'd have happened today, whether it was Friday the 13th or not. Terry Wogan, first time since about 1980-something. Pulls out of children in need. Bad back, they say. Bad back, but it's got to be bad for him to pull out. The NHS nightmare before Christmas. The minister who tells the poor, get rid of your satellite dish. The learner driver earner. I like that story. You have to pay to take your test. If you pass, they give you some of the money back, which is brilliant. The alarm at the lack of diabetes awareness. The hospital bed blocker sitting a record high. And uh, the Labour MP claiming £10,000 overtime for his selfie-loving wife. Yes, Simon and her. It's LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen.
on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's coming up to five minutes past six. It's Friday the 13th of November. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. If you're just joining us, uh, the big news, the airstrike targeting the British IS militant Mohammed Mwazi, known as Jihadi John, has been carried out in Syria by US forces. According to the Pentagon officials, they're 99% sure that Mwazi was killed in the attacks. We'll have more updates on that throughout the morning at with Lisa Aziz with the morning news at 6.30, where we broke the news first this morning that uh, they'd been targeting him all day with a drone and uh, somebody clicked a button and, uh, and took him out. 99% certain. That and other stories this morning we'll be covering between now and 6.30 on LBC. I like the idea that if you pass your driving test, you get money back. Why did they bring this in after I passed my driving test years ago? And uh, we were talking the other day about people of over the age of 70 having to retake a driving test. I don't actually think it's necessary for everybody. But in fact, as we discovered the other day, you can have a stroke and still be driving. And yet if you're diabetic and you've informed them you're diabetic, you're on a restrictive licence which mine comes up for a new, and I think in uh, February, I think, of uh, of next year. Uh, Kids' Company, the handouts, blasted by the... Pl- I mean, it was just handing out money willy-nilly. But, but how much money was accounted for? You know, I think there's been so much misappropriation of this one, nobody's happy with it at all. Uh, the High Street Soups, with more sugar than a can of Coke... And uh, fumbles in the jungle. They're trying to get some interest out of uh, out of a bunch of deadbeats who have no interest to anybody. Why anybody would want to watch Chris Eubanks sitting on a log? I can't imagine. And then the worst news that came out is uh, well-known. Good God, what does she do? What did she do? Who is she? Alicia Duval, still hawking herself around anywhere. And this time, in a steamy new book, they say the celebrity Big Brother Babe. You only have to look at a picture to realise Babe was never a word, unless you're thinking of the film that would ever apply to this person. And uh, the film, the autobiography is called Don't Call Me Ugly, and she's talking about 11 times in one night with Simon Cowell. I mean, either the woman is either completely delusional or just an embarrassment. I can't work out which one it is, actually. She says, I put everything into this book and have been completely honest. Nobody actually cares, though. That's the trouble, Alicia. It's a shame, really. The only person who cares about this is you. Nobody's remotely interested. I didn't even know you were still around. I thought you'd disappeared and gone and live, uh, live on a commune somewhere. But apparently, she claimed Cowell liked her to dress really tarty. So, in other words, you didn't actually have to change anything at all, did you? And so, poor Alicia, who made her living as sort of as a kiss-and-tell kind of... I don't know. I can't really think of anything. It's, she's obviously desperately lonely, desperately sad, and desperately insecure. And so, somebody somewhere might be buying this book. Who? I cannot imagine. And it certainly is not going to be uh, bought and serialised in any of the papers any time soon. Uh, Pixie Lott trying desperately to regain any ground that she lost when she went to the Festival of Remembrance. And uh, Justin Bieber in all the papers as well today. And guess who's going on tour? Yes, Daniel O'Donnell is starting a tour. And this must be for... I don't know if this is... Uh, oh, this is... Oh, this is next year! They're booking Daniel O'Donnell for next year, and he's everywhere from Birmingham, Liverpool, Bridlington, Bridlington, Croydon, Fairfield Halls. I played that. Uh, Nottingham, Gateshead, Bristol, Bournemouth. So uh, I'm sure he'll do very well. His fans will buy tickets for him. Uh, Steve says, James, I don't understand the issue with paying for bags. Aldi and Lidl have been charging for bags as long as I can remember. And there's been no complaints. I know, I don't, I don't quite understand why all of a sudden it becomes an official thing and then people get, uh, get all overexcited by it. I did promise to tell you about the support black taxes. Yesterday we got, um, uh, we got a, a text in, actually, from uh, one of them called Paul. 
and uh, they were looking for some help because Support Black Taxis uh, have teamed together with a group of London licensed black taxi drivers. They want to spread a bit of warmth this Christmas. They're not a charity or anything like that. They just do this off their own back, but they need your help. And they need your help in, in two ways, actually, during these cold winter nights. And they do say at the end of this month it's going to get pretty dire. So what they want is they want clean clothing, like jumpers, trousers, hats, gloves, socks, blankets, sleeping bags, toiletries, food, snacks. In fact, anything that somebody might need to spend time out on the streets of London. And then the taxi drivers, the London taxi drivers, will distribute the parcels during certain evenings on the run-up to and around Christmas. They don't want money. They're not after money because because they're not a charity. They just want to help people that need a little bit of a help. And as they're driving around the streets, they see these people. I've been working in London for more than 40 years. I see these people all the time. So any, you know, uh, flyers or posters to get the words out are also gratefully received. Pre-packed parcels. Uh, so Support Black Taxis is a Facebook community page and Twitter account. It's run by uh, two London taxi driver's wives, Karen and Cathy. And so they've teamed up with Paul, Claire, Steve and Gary. Gary's idea to help the homeless at Christmas. And then they jumped on board. And what they're also looking for, Paul tells me, is they're looking for somewhere in central London from December the 6th to December the 14th to store all their items that they get given. That's what they're looking for. They want some storage. So somebody who's got a lock-up or something like that in central London that they can spare or a cellar or something. Just anything, really, that they can use. And then on Monday, the 14th of December, what they'll do is collect the parcels and hand them out during that evening. So that's what they're looking for. Now, you can contact them in a, in a couple of ways. I won't give out... Uh, <laughs> Paul getting quite panicky thinking I might give out his telephone number. But uh, they do have... Uh, you can email them at supportblacktaxis at AOL. .co.uk support at blacktaxis at aol.co.uk they've got a twitter account at sbt xmas appeal okay and if you want to make a donation or help with parcels contact them and and they will they will arrange if it's too much for you to do if you've got spare blankets or you've got spare clothing or anything that can help people who are outside some toiletries food or snacks sleeping bags you've got stuff shoved up in the loft that you don't use anymore somebody can make full use of it and they can help so support black taxes at aol.co.uk or they've got a, a facebook page which is just support black taxes and if you've got somewhere in central london they can store loads of items they'd be really grateful as well from december the 6th to the 14th so it's not for that long they just need somewhere and on the 14th they'll come and take it all away and distribute it to the people who need it so good luck to them and uh, and if you've got anything lying around at home that you don't use anymore we've all got blankets and duvet covers all sorts of things you know that that can be uh, that can be something that can be that can be used by people. So good luck to the guys and the girls on that one. And well done. Food shopping, yes. Pay for carrier bags because so many are used. But if I go into, say, M&S, Steve, and bought a couple of jumpers, I'd expect them to be folded and bagged and not charged. They have to charge for them, Sue. They, that, that's the law. They're not allowed to not charge for them. That's the stupid thing. If they didn't charge for them, you could go and report. They could be in big trouble. So they charge even for jumpers and for clear. It's like when you're going out buying your, your Christmas shopping. You know, you'd be putting it in bags. You have to pay for it. I just wish they wouldn't keep saying, do you need a bag? And then, and I've seen people, I've had people standing in front of me in the queue and they go, uh, yes, and it gets 5p. I don't want it. You think, you've just spent 64 quid on food and you're haggling over 5p. What's the matter with you? Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So as far as I'm concerned, pay the 5p. It goes to charity. It goes to charity. 
you know, nothing the matter with that. Uh, another one says, Amanda says, I'm not bothered by Friday the 13th, as I've never been superstitious. Touch wood. It's an old one, but it's worth using. <laughs> it's worth using, actually. And uh, another one here telling me about <coughs> exactly what we do at Christmas and why we're particularly good at Christmas at actually giving. I like that. I like that idea. Uh, Daniels o- uh, O'Donnell. Paul Inhove, not a big fan. His fans are unbelievably loyal. Th- those shows will, will sell out, I promise you. He knows all of his fans. He knows loads of his fans. He really does. It's amazing. Uh, another one here. Uh, this is from from somebody else. Uh, oh, from oh, that's quite nice, actually. William was talking about plastic bags. And he said, think about it. Why would you pay a British tax outside Britain? Because once you've gone airside, the tax laws don't apply. Blonde on blonde, incidentally. And thank you to everybody who wrote in. I forgot to do that. Nina Carter and Jilly Johnson. Now, Jilly Johnson was early page three, wasn't she? I think so. And Nina Carter as well. And I think somewhere I've got a signed copy of the single at home. In fact, I've got loads of ABC signed material. Don't ask me why. I was never a huge fan of ABC. I thought they were, I thought they were actually great. But, uh, but never actually sort of... Uh, Never actually sort of worried about it. But I remember the other day I found all sorts of things. Memorabilia, you know, from sort of Doctor Who. I've got a lovely tin, which is shaped like the TARDIS, which has got videos in. And I suddenly realised it was a promotional item that came out some time ago. It's odd, isn't it? The things that you sort of, uh, that you hang on to. Oh, look, a day. I thought we were going to go a day without any pictures of the Beckhams. But there is one. Davy Boy Beckham is pictured with a polar explorer. And uh, here he is on on a visit to Antarctica. Does he spend any time at home with his feet up talking to the wife? Or do you think they just don't talk at all now? Because they never seem to be together. She's off at this side of the world. He's off over that side of the world. But just joining us on LBC, the big news, the airstrike targeting the ice militant uh, Mohammed Mwazi, known as Jihadi John, carried out in Syria, as you know, by US forces. According to the Pentagon officials, 99% certain that he's been killed in the attack. They targeted him all day. And so they knew exactly where he was. It was a specific target for Jihadi John. And uh, the drone saw him. And so they bombed the house that he'd just uh, walked into. Time now, 6.15. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning. 6.20 is the time. Somebody just said, what are you going to do for the weekend? Because a friend of mine went out the other day, woke up early and went out for a jog in the morning. Or a run or something like that. Which I think is actually takes some sort of fortitude. Also shows a lack of anything going on in your life at all when you sort of run out there. I don't see people running in the early hours of the morning. I always think it's slightly disturbing. If I see somebody running in shorts or tracksuit bottoms or something in the early hours of the morning, it's Christmas Day morning. Oh, right, that'd be, that'd be good, actually. You're having a turkey this year. You're going to be doing turkey and Christmas and a tree and everything else. Our plate, round our way, the fish shop's got the Christmas trees up already. And lit. And lit. It's very festive. I like, I like Christmas. Do you like Christmas? Yeah, I like it. You won't believe the present I'm going to buy a friend of mine. Really, so I've, got, I've, got, I've had my eye, yeah, I've had my eye on this present for some time. You're going to love it. Seriously, I haven't spent a lot of money, but you know, it's the thought that counts. I'm not buying anything. I've decided this year. Anybody who's remotely overweight, I'm not going to buy any sweets or chocolates for, which I'm prone to doing, because the, the doctor's just going to give me this new tablet, which means that it can help you lose weight. I know. I'm, just, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a slave to the doctors. I'm a slave to the doctor. I like going to the doctors and I like new tablets. And this is because I've had an injection before now that stops you eating, which is quite good. I've actually got, got some of that in the fridge at the moment. <laughs> you get all these, all these straight... It's, you see, people say willpower, but that's like smoking, isn't it? You know, if you really want to smoke, if you really want to smoke, then you smoke. If you don't want to smoke, you don't smoke. Admittedly, this, this friend of mine, Chris, has lost an awful lot of weight. 
an awful lot of weight. But that's but that, you're right. That is willpower. <coughs> but then you, you excuse me. I think people. I'm so excited. Uh, I think people realise that you do get to a stage where you go. I do need to lose that weight as you head into sort of, you know, the next phase of your life, or in my, ki- in my case, the twilight years, as I prefer to call them. But you're right. But with, with this new thing, she said it, it will help you lose weight. Just comes with the downsizing bits, the, uh, the bits which aren't particularly good. Uh, what else do we have? I do like this skateboarding bulldog who's in all the papers today. I think he's uh, absolutely fantastic. I love that. I'm quite keen about Kelly Brook. Have a look at the picture of Kelly Brook. She's been airbrushed. They've given her a waist. They'd given her a tiny waist, and we know that Kelly Brook's waist is not actually like that. So they've, they've called it a bit of a riddle. I think a little bit more than a riddle. Uh, <coughs> Steve, if you're going for your licence in February, I don't have to go for it. They just send you a, a form and you fill it in, your doctor does it. Uh, new regs for diabetics, got to do an Eastman field. Now I have my eyes tested. I'm a diabetic. We already have all these things. So, uh, already, already done these things. I'm absolutely perfect vision. Doesn't get any more perfect than mine. And, uh, and Axel says, please get over the 5p bags. I wish people would. I wish people would, seriously. I mean, I'm, I'm really sort of, you know, <laughs> ridiculous that people are, um, are still worrying about it. I don't know why. Uh, Steve, uh, I've been on uh, two, two day trips organised by the Black Taxis. Uh, says Wendy for kids with disabilities. The uh, trips from London to the seaside with the police escort all the way gets the kids screaming. They do feel special. Uh, and the black taxis do amazing stuff for the kids' egos. And it's uh, just a bit more than a day out. It's in 10 years since the last trip, but you don't forget the joy. You don't, actually. That's why I used to love Noel's Christmas presents on the telly, where he would take uh, sometimes very disadvantaged children and he would take them to see Father Christmas or something. And the look on their face was worth a million quid. Worth a million quid. You always have to do something, don't you? Because you've always got more than, than other people. So I can imagine, you know, the decorated with balloons and all the rest of it. They love it. They love it. Ian said, I'm off to the sun for a week. What, the newspaper? He says, the 4am spike will be down by one. Better not be. Better, can you put a substitute in? I don't want, uh, I don't want to lose the 4am spike. I don't think there's any danger of losing the 4am spike. But I'd just like to make sure. And it's very nice of you to tell us that if you're going away, uh, you are actually... Um, you are actually sort of coming back. That's what we need to know, because uh, that uh, that 4am spike is absolutely fantastic. And we're very grateful uh, for it. Having a quick look at the front pages, jihadi plot to snatch Brit envoys uh, is on the front page. This, of course, because the story about jihadi John uh, blown up in a car, I'm now told. The latest news was in a car. He He came out of the house, got into the car, and that's when the drone dropped the bomb on the car. So we'll have confirmation of that a little bit uh, little bit later on today. Uh, plus the front page of the Daily Star, Jungle Bosses set up sex camp. It's, it's always been there. It's always been there. And so they're, they're, they're sort of trying to link up Yorgi Porter to just about anybody. I thought actually a scorpion would be quite a nice idea. Uh, the Daily Mail, uh, a picture of the girl who duped her female lover into thinking she was a man who gets sent to prison for eight years. You actually get less for murdering a child and raping a child. Amazing, isn't it, really? The court system of this country. They're obviously not all singing from the same hymn sheet. The storms to blast Britain on the front page of the Daily Express. And uh, child gets a thrill down under. They're trying to work out whether or not this uh, social worker or PR person actually put her hand on his bottom because you're not supposed to touch the royals. We had it with the Queen. I think she went to Australia. I think they're just a bit tactile. I think they're a little bit. Uh, how the Mediterranean diet could stop you going blind. Uh, the Daily Mirror. Diabetic Rolf overdoses on chocolate. The ailing pervert. Rushed to hospital after chest pains. Because you can apparently buy chocolate in prison. 
the Metro, date with George, George Clooney, enjoying it. And has he ever made a decent film? Can anybody, can anybody think of any films by George Clooney off the top of your head? You've gone, wow, what a great actor he is. Or do we just go, isn't he really, really good looking? And, and that's all it is. And he's now married to Amal. It, well, I suppose just being good looking is that, well, it's been my cross to bear for years. I mean, I've had to live with that. I see other people looking at me with envy. But, you know, it's just something I've had to learn to be with. Fake man jailed for eight years. I'm scared, says the girl who duped female friend into sex. Not surprised. I'm sure there'll be an appeal on it. I can't believe that if you get only four years for raping a child and the babysitter who got a suspended sentence for having sex with an 11-year-old. Something's quite clearly wrong with the judicial system. Uh, The lady in the van is a role made absolutely for Dame Maggie. I saw her doing it on stage in London and she was fantastic. Now you've got the film as well. The film is super, isn't it? The film is absolutely super. Did you go to preview? So lucky, aren't you, with your showbiz rock and roll lifestyle. I, of course, just stayed in and did nothing that week. I just did a jigsaw. Oh, you name-dropped. Yeah, Steve Allen. OK, you're not coming into this one. <laughs> That's how it goes, isn't it? Listen, I've got no more time. Thank you so much for your company. Thank you for all the uh, the texts and emails. I think we uh, we read every single one out. So, as usual, we're on top of it. And I'm back with you tomorrow morning for the best of Steve Allen between 5 and 7. Don't, don't write into me during it. It's a pre-recorded programme. I don't want to embarrass you about it. But you can do it on Sunday morning when we have In Conversation between five and six, and then six to eight, I'm live uh, with the Sunday papers. Good luck with the weather this weekend. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at seven, it's Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. Right now, though, it's Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC.